Hello, and welcome to Shadow War. I'm your host and founder, Michael Watts. A um, little bit about myself. I um born and raised in Casper, Wyoming. Uh, a lot of people probably don't know where that is, um, unless you live here. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I... Around when I was 19, I decided to leave, get out of the state for a little bit, and uh, I joined the Army. And that's kind of what led me here down this path on creating this podcast. Um, just since last year, well, actually the last couple of years, I've been trying to get tested um, with the encouragement from friends. And, you know, fairly recently, within, we'll say, the last year, I was diagnosed with a TBI and uh, severe PTSD, anxiety. My anxiety is so bad, it's even causing physical um, issues. Uh, my blood pressure and heart rate, I think my resting heart rate was like 120 here a couple of years back until they started getting me on meds. And my blood pressure was just through the roof, you know, something stupid like... 170 over 130 or you know something crazy don't quote me on that I'm just saying like it was enough to scare the doctors and they tried talking me into not going to work because I uh they were worried I was gonna have a stroke or something I guess so and uh, since I've been recently diagnosed I've always kind of known that I've had problems I just never wanted to admit it and I guess that's what I wanted to try to accomplish with this not only for myself but others uh, because we we tend to live in denial, and we don't want to accept the fact that we are vulnerable and we do have weaknesses. Um, a lot of it, really, you know, it always comes down to pride. Um, it was definitely a pride thing for me. I, I know that I was going to feel like less of a man if I ever, you know, went and got checked out uh, for PTSD or anything like that. And you know, PTSD is also kind of like a a weird disorder because it's almost self-diagnosed. And so that's where part of me is like, is it even real? But I know that I, I have depression and I have anxiety and I've been masking it with alcohol uh, pretty much since I left the army. Um, you know, I know that I had trauma prior um, to the military, which, you know, I'll cover on in later episodes, but I, uh, had, uh, I think in order to be in special operations, you need to <laughs> already be kind of fucked up, if you will, um, in order to be able to handle such a high intensity job. And, um, I didn't even really, I, I, college was getting away from me and I was worried about losing my scholarships. And so I decided I needed a little bit of discipline in life. Uh, the military was never really a thing. Um, what led me to the 75th Ranger Regiment, and to be honest with you, I didn't know shit about them. I, uh, I had a cousin who had just recently got out right before I signed up, and it was funny because my family all thought I'd signed up because of him. And it really wasn't. I just remember being at the recruiters, and they said something about uh, getting, you know, an option 40 to go Ranger. And I was like, well, okay, uh, my cousin was a Ranger. Why, why the hell not? You know, I'm just going to get discipline. And uh, I shit you not, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, I, I definitely questioned my life decisions 
uh, as soon as I got into the Ranger indoctrination program, it's now called a Ranger assessment and selection program, but, um, it used to be a one month program called the Ranger indoctrination program. And so, um, anyways, in 2009, I ended up leaving for the military, uh, in January. It was like shortly after new year's I left, went and did, uh, one station unit training and for, you know, the non-veteran type, uh, that's basically where infantrymen go to get their individual skills, if you will, pretty much just learn to shoot and battle drills and stuff like that. And then once, since I had an option 40, I of course had a airborne contract. And so immediately after graduating, um, one station unit training, I went on to airborne school, completed airborne school. And then I went on to the ranger indoctrination program. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd never really been, uh, like afraid of another man before in my entire life until the cadre picked us up. And it didn't help that they were specifically looking for me because my cousin is a douchebag and told those guys to fuck me up. And so I, I'm signing out of airborne school and I, I keep hearing my last name and these cadres just big motherfuckers are walking around and here's me, you know, at this point, I bet I was, I don't know, I was 6'4", 160 pounds, I was a beanpole, and, you know, and then you compare yourself to these guys, and, uh, I was, I'm not gonna lie, I was, you know, fairly afraid, and anyways, I ended up going on, uh, to complete the Ranger Indoctrination Program, and, and for those, it's not even a selection process, and I'm, I'm sure I'll have listeners who are unfamiliar with what it, what, what actually occurs now it's a little bit different and they try to, you know, hone in your shooting and stuff like that. You do, you learn breaching and whatever else. But before it was just a program designed specifically to make you quit. Like that's all it was. Like they did anything and everything to make people quit. And they would sit there and make us suffer, you know, like doing physical exercises or, you know, laying down in a mud puddle or, you know, I don't know, just anything that would, you know, fuck with a guy mentally. Um, they're, they're already sleep depriving you and they'd sit there and they would punish you until X amount of people quit. And it was surprising. Cause I think I had over 300 and some people in my class. And after the first day, it dropped down to 150, I think. And it's been so long. I can't even really remember, but, uh, they, and then I think we graduated, I don't know, maybe 85 guys. I mean, don't quote me on that. I'm a dumbass now, so I don't really remember a whole lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, that's like, you know, high turnover rate. And you, and hell, even when my cousin went through, it was even higher. I think, I thought he had told me there was something crazy, like only 20 people passed, you know. Um, it was far more difficult back then than it, than it was when I went in. And I don't know how it is now. I've never observed. Everyone says it's not as hard, but you know how, the, how it goes. I was in it back when it was hard. But anyways, I... I was really questioning my life decisions as I was going through that program. Plus me being a Northern boy, being down in the Georgia summer heat, I think it was over a hundred degrees with, you know, damn near a hundred percent humidity. And I was losing my mind and I was like, what am I doing? Maybe I should have just joined the conventional army, but I stuck it through because that's what I said I was going to do. 
and that's what I did. And I ended up at Second Ranger Battalion for the five years of my contract. And I had told myself I was going to make a career of it. And, well, there was just some things that rubbed me wrong. I didn't like there was some certain leadership failures. And I think a lot of other people saw that as well and got out because there was a lot of people that got out um, within like the last year that I was in. And then around the time that I was getting out, everyone was just like, yeah, fuck this place. I'm out. Um, And so... And then I considered reclassing because I wanted to go be a pilot, but I was uh, engaged to a childhood friend that uh, lived back here at home, and she was in college, and so I said I'd get out and come back and get married. And honestly, I didn't realize the difficulty with the transition. I don't think a lot of guys realize the difficulty when you go to leave, and here you are you know, extremely structured. People look at you like, oh man, he's, you know, he's a soldier, he's in the army or, uh, you know, he's a ranger or something like that. Like you, you kind of have a little bit of notoriety and you feel proud of yourself because what you're doing is not easy. And then you get out and you're pretty much a nobody, it seems like. Um, And it's not that it's anyone around that's present in your life. It's not like it's their fault that you feel that way because they're they're not going to be able to really relate to what it feels like. And they're probably unsure on how to even to approach it. You know, I know people would like, you know, family would check in on me and I'd always, oh, I'm good. I'm good. But I know they always worried about my drinking because I was just nonstop. You know, I I honestly feel bad for my ex-wife for some of the shit that I put her through, but things got, things got pretty dark and I, uh, hmm. I never let it get so out of control that I would lose my job, but there was definitely times had I not been working in the oil field that I probably would lose any other normal job. But when you're in the oil field, it was a good, that was like probably part of the best thing that happened for me. Um, you know, being gone, which I was used to, you know, you're doing more of a manual labor job and, you know, it's manly. People look at the oil field as being manly and whatnot. And so, uh, I never let it affect my job, but I never, I never wanted to face reality. And I always felt so alone. Like I had no one there for me because I don't know. You, you have this level of, you have this level of camaraderie that you build with these guys. And there's so much love there because you'd give your life for any of your boys. And then you get back home and you're not around it. I, I didn't know a whole lot of veterans. And, uh, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really know how to deal with that and (laughs) what's the easiest thing to always jump to alcohol ironically enough since it's a depressant and it's just making shit worse but you know there was I there was so many times that you know I try to get my hands on uh like prescription pills and stuff like that and then that was just added effect to uh the drinking because I just I didn't want to face reality trying to hide them feelings and so and I feel I started pushing people away that cared for me because I was just always drunk and 
I definitely know it had an effect on my marriage. I mean, the crazy shit that I get myself into, I'd get so obliterated drunk. I remember when I was engaged that my, my ex-wife would come home and <laughs> I'd, I'd start drinking a fifth first thing in the morning. I'd be passed out before she'd get off work. And this is on my days off, you know, like I work X amount of weeks in the oil field and then I'm off and we lived in an apartment, everyone's at work. So it's not like I really had anything to do, but just being alone and overthinking and being with my thoughts, I, uh, I just would get shit house drunk and she'd find me just like totally incapacitated. And like, I was drinking over a fifth a day of, you know, I would make my rounds tequila. I was stuck on 1800 tequila for a while for whatever reason, man. And like the drunk driving. And, um, I mean, I, I can even say it probably started like, I, I know it started in the military cause I, I, I had a sports car when I was up there. Um, little infinity G 35 that, you know, I'd murdered out and done some cool things too. And, uh, I sold my truck back home cause I lived in the city now, you know, and so, uh, I, I used to, I remember, um, the, the, the second battalion barracks are down what we called range road because all the rifle ranges are lined up and it used to just, there wasn't much there, um, on the way up to our compound. And I remember I'd be like shit house drunk and I would be like, I even had a route planned out that if the MPs were to <laughs> catch me speeding, I already had a route that I was going to take, but I would be doing hundred, 120 miles an hour up this road. And I would just, I was just being reckless. And even when I brought it home, I would do it. I ran that car off the road. I was just hauling ass. I was shit house drunk, like always. And I actually thought I was like, Oh, I'm going to run this four way. And believe it or not, it wasn't a four-way. It was a T-intersection. And just out on a country road, and I, I can't even tell you how many times I've I've driven off the road because, you know, I just, I gave zero fucks. And, and that's incredibly, coming from a, a completely selfless job, being in the military, like you, you cannot get more selfless than being willing to die for another man. And then I went to being incredibly selfish because my bitch ass didn't want to get help because I thought I was helping by just getting drunk. And I was putting other people's lives in danger. And it makes me mad because I still sometimes do it today. Um, and, I, and I really try not to because I have a Dewey. It just, I, I can't even tell you. There were so many times that, that I would come to, I would, I would, you know, work an hour and a half outside of Casper. I'd come to town, just get totally loaded and then I would drive back to the rig and I'd still be drinking beers and throwing them out the window and I I can't even tell you the amount of times I ran off on a dirt road and mowed down uh reflector poles it just in in in, insane and you know or the times that I'd get shithouse drunk and I I peed in the corner of our master bedroom or uh I peed all over my wife's clothes when they were in the hamper. I was just so drunk and like how she even put up with me (laughs) and you know, it just, I, I can't imagine the shit I put her through. And then, you know, it got to the point that I started neglecting her. Like I just wanted to go out and get drunk or, you know, there was no such thing as one, one drink with me. It was all or nothing. And then what do you do when you feel shitty the next day? You start drinking again. Uh, so I've, I've done a lot of dumb shit. 
you know, even here recently, I was sleeping in my truck, which I've done before. And the cops actually were cool. And I told them like, yeah, I'm drunk. I'm just sleeping it off. But had my keys in there. And so they were, they were like, oh, well, we were talking about how to approach this when we came up to you. And if you were going to be an asshole, we were going to give you a Dewey. But if you were a cool guy, we were going to call you a cab. And that, that's precisely what they did. They were like, you were super cool. So we're going to do you a solid and call you a cab right now. And they did. And they hung out with me until that cab showed up. Just the fact that I got that lucky to even not get another Dewey, you know. And like one thing that I've never really told a lot of people is in these times of my drunken states or have really been the only time that I've thought about committing suicide. Um, just feeling the loneliness and the, the despair and like you have nobody. And it's, it's such a funny feeling because you know, you could call any of your family members. I know my family loves me to death and I could call them at any moment and they'd help. I could call the veterans hotline and they would help. And, uh, but you don't think about that shit, you know, and then you combine it with like chronic pain that you developed. (laughs) I'm sure pretty much any veteran can, uh, relate to, uh, chronic pain of some sort. And sometimes like it just, it gets old and you just want that to end and you want your hurt to end. You're, you're tired of, you know, not having that camaraderie that you had in the military. There's been twice in my lifetime that like I have straight up racked that slide back and put that, that barrel to my temple. All the meanwhile, I'm holding a bottle of liquor, trying to talk myself into every reason why I shouldn't do this. And it always came back to family. And other people who care. Because I can tell you, I'm tired of seeing my, my friends kill themselves. And that's why I wanted to do something like this, because, you know, I'm... <laughs> I put videos out on Instagram and you'll see me crying and stuff like that. And I'm not ashamed to like cry on like a public platform because I want people to see like it's more courageous to actually make yourself vulnerable and come forward and be like, Hey, I need to get help. Hiding it is not tough. Swallow the pride. I can tell you that much. And, You know, the last time, you know, shit really hit rock bottom for me this year. And I've kind of talked about it in my videos. Uh, I lost uh, someone very special to me. And I didn't necessarily lose her. I just, I fucked up the relationship. And, uh, but while we were together, there was, you know, and it wasn't even her, you know, like, sure, we had our differences like other couples do, but. Like, I was still fighting all this other shit, and I, you know, when I first started dating her, like, I was better. Like, I I was drinking far less than I ever had been, and I I could feel this impact being changed on me. And, uh, (laughs) like, we we still talk some, and 
like she doesn't understand why she's so important to me still because, and she always will be, um, just because of the impact that she had on me and, um, just, you know, even the subtle things. But then I started gotten back into my old habits, which, you know, I'm in therapy now and all this, and I'm still, I still fail sometimes. And I, I get into my bad habits of really just getting plastered, you know? And, but anyways, I ruined probably the best thing to ever happen to me. And, uh, that's when shit kind of like got even darker because, um, you know, she, she didn't know that that was one thing. The the last time I put a pistol to my head, um, and I, I never even told her, but it was her and my family. And of course my boys, um, and then the other big thing is we've all lost someone overseas and I guarantee you anyone listening to this knows who someone who's taken their life. And for me, I don't want those names to go down in vain. They, they wouldn't want that for us. And so, the, the, those are the reasons that I, I talked myself out of it. And it was, this would be like a battle for like, a few hours of just, you know, staring into a, you know, bottle of JMO or, you know, whatever, and holding this gun to your head, just like, "Mm, tell me why I shouldn't tell me why I shouldn't. And so that really caused me to, you know, spiral even more out of control when my ex-girlfriend broke up with me, cause I, I honestly thought we were going to spend the rest of our lives together. And, um, <laughs> I fuck things up like I always do. And so, you know, and it, it wasn't just, you know, significant others that I pushed away. I, um, I definitely know I'd, I'd said and done some very mean things to family. And I was definitely violent when I was drunk. Um, you know, I, 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 when I was married, I, I w- I've thrown the kitchen table before and punched holes in the wall. And, you know, the same thing with, you know, my most recent ex. I mean, I didn't realize how much I had actually terif- terrified her from punching holes in the wall. Like, I punched a hole through both walls. I punched clear into another room. And uh, I'm lucky I didn't break my hand. And that wasn't the first time I've punched. And then there was another time that I threw all her shit out on the lawn because I was mad at her. And I, I ripped the door off the hinges. I just fucking manhandled that bitch and I beat it to pieces. And like, and I'm not trying, like, that's not saying that I'm a tough guy, but like the amount of anger that you have to show, it has to be incredible to be, you know, to be doing things like that. And it's not healthy. I was taking a lot of my self-hatred out on her. And that's not fair to anyone, you know? It's not fair to your family. That's not fair to your friends. You know, other loved ones. And so, you know, I I felt like that that was my rock bottom. And I I decided, I was like, I need to fucking make a change. And I'm, I'm, I'm horribly regretful that I made it too late 
so I could have salvaged, salvaged my relationship. But, you know, I've got to live with my consequences and just keep pushing forward because now the most important thing to me is through Shadow War, and I'll get to the, you know, the whole meaning behind where I came up with the name, but the whole intent that I would like is to show people it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to come forward and be like, hey, I've been contemplating, thinking about shooting myself, you know? And a little side note on that, because a lot of people are going to find out that I've been this close to committing suicide. Please don't talk to me about it. It's just something I'm putting out there to show that, you know, other people who have been in the same boat, they're not the only person. They're not the only individual who has been that close to committing suicide, whether it be hanging yourself or whatever. Um, I'm not going to talk about it to people, so please don't approach me on a private level. I'm not looking for sympathy. Um, I don't, yeah, I just don't want people to mention it to me um, because that's not the reason that I'm sharing this. It's things that I've been ashamed of for doing for so many years and all the, you know, temper tantrums that I would throw. Like, I want people to see that (laughs) despite what social media portrays everyone is, that life is so great and, you know, I can be super nice to your face that I've done bad things and I'm not always a good person, but I want to be a good person and that's the important thing. And I want to be a better man because if I end up finding someone else that I love, I would like to be the best man for her. That I just, the biggest thing is I don't want people to think they're alone. And that's why I've started, you know, I I encourage any listeners that are struggling, reach out. I've created a Facebook page, a Facebook group uh, that I hope will maybe just be a a little community for people to talk and uplift each other. Um, I called it shadow warriors. (laughs) Clever, right? But I, I, and then I also have my Instagram and I, I want people to reach out. I want people to interact. I want, you know, don't be a douche, but critique. If you'd like to see something on the, on the show, then, you know, let me know. Or if you'd be interested in sharing your story, and you can remain anonymous or, you know, if, if you'd like to email, um, I, I've got an email for Shadow War as well. Um, you can uh, email your story. And, and if you're not comfortable with sharing your name, but you think maybe your struggles might help someone. And because we learn from each other. That's why as a friend, I've always wanted to know all my struggles, all the struggles that my friends had. Because I can take a little piece of that. It may not be the exact same thing. I may not be able to completely empathize with that person. But I can maybe take a little nugget and learn something from it. Learn something about myself. And that's why it's important to talk. You know, that's why they do group therapy. And so, and that's, that's kind of the environment that I'd like to create for this. And, and so I want people to be vocal and, you know, reach out. Um, you know, I'd like to even eventually do some live shows where we can have people call in, but shadow war, I didn't, I didn't really know what to call it. And since this is, you know, this isn't just for veterans, but it is going to be heavily veteran related because, uh, that's what I am and that's what I know. Um, 
I so I was kind of trying to keep it uh, military esque, and if you know what a shadow war is, it's you'll you'll under you you can probably figure out what the metaphor is. But if you're unfamiliar with what a shadow war is, it's basically where a, a larger force is overseeing a conflict, um, but they're not really taking part in the conflict. They're just overseeing it for, you know, whatever personal gain they're getting out of it. And to me, the larger entity that's overseeing this war, that's our demons. They're the ones who are causing the conflict. And it's us as individuals that are fighting that conflict. Um, we're fighting those daily struggles, the, the, the depression, the anxiety, the hypervigilance, um, you know, any of those symptoms. <laughs> hypervigilance is definitely a big one with uh, veterans and, you know, especially in the special operations community, you know, because there's definitely been times where we all thought we were going to die, but uh, we'll save stories for a different time. Um but that's kind of where Shadow War came about. And also my dog, his name is Shadow, so he's going to kind of be maybe the mascot of Shadow War. I don't know if I'll necessarily have a mascot, but he's a sweet boy. I I hope if there's one thing that people can take away from this, it's it is more courageous to come forward than it is to hide in the dark. And don't fight that battle alone. You won't win. I can definitely tell you I've lost more than what I've gained. But that has led me to this path. And I hope that maybe I can change some other people's lives and help, I mean, even save their life if they're really struggling. I've Since I've even started putting my videos, these my little clips out on Instagram... I've had people reach out to me, tell me about their struggles. And, you know, I've had a couple of buddies that said, you know, hey, man, I've I've contemplated suicide at times. And that shit breaks my heart because you don't want to lose a friend. We've all lost plenty. And I'm not even talking about just uh, veteran friends. I'm talking about just anybody. And so it's all about the message that I really want to preach here to make people feel comfortable enough to be able to come forward because honestly, like if I can do it and you know, I've always been a private guy, super private. I don't like people knowing my medical stuff, anything like fuck you, mind your business. (laughs) That's the way I've always kind of thought about it. Like, and there's so many things that I've not told my family or, you know, things I've been ashamed. I never wanted to tell this is, and I'm doing, I've told a few people, now, but it's been in the recent months, but up until me basically talking about committing suicide on a public platform, the majority of people who know me, this is the first time they're going to find out about it. And it was, I never wanted to talk about it. I was ashamed. I was ashamed that, you know, I got drunk and I, I, I fought myself on why I, I wanted to live. Or why I should live. Um, you know, and I did, I guess looking back, 
I did um, get involved. I wanted to get involved with the nonprofit game, which I did, and that's actually where I've met some of uh, some really good friends that I'm going to have on the show. Um, and actually, one of them, he is like the biggest reason that uh, I was started to get checked out. Um, we were doing a hunting nonprofit for wounded veterans, and um, we, you know, of course, you get to BSing around the fire after coming back to camp and, you know, telling stories and this and that. And he really encouraged me to start getting checked out because he's like, dude, you're displaying, you display a lot of the symptoms that I was diagnosed with, you know? And so, um, when I finally actually got, especially with like the TBI, when I finally got diagnosed, I hit him up and I was like, Hey, you know, thanks brother for, you know, being encouraging to tell me to go do that. I encourage people to get involved. If, if you have a small veteran group, I'm trying to be more proactive about it myself, but I still work in the oil field and my schedule is still ridiculously stupid. Um, especially like working nights and, uh, coming on days and you got to acclimate in between there. Um, like right now I'm running on how many hours have I been up? I've been up over 24 hours and, I wasn't sure if it was a good idea to record, but I said, fuck it. I'm going to do it. And, uh, but I encourage people to, you know, reach out to any groups, get involved with a nonprofit, you know, not even necessarily, I know everyone's got this complex about, Oh no, there's someone more deserving. Well, first off, what makes one person more deserving than you? Just because they don't have a limb because that's such a high percentage. Like every, there's other injuries and other damages done to your body while serving. It's it's not a bad thing to accept. There's good there's good people out there who are wanting to help veterans. And uh you know, people who who truly do care. Now I think some people in the nonprofit game are uh in it for money, but that's a totally different topic, but it, it reminds me of a story uh, a few years back, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard about Reese across America, but it was uh, the local fundraiser for them, and I'd asked to be the guest speaker, and you know, since I'd been in special operations and kind of share about my time in regiment, and I, I, I specifically remember, you know, I, it was the first time I'd ever spoken to a large crowd. Um, you know, I've, I've spoken to, I don't know, people... 30 people, I don't know, nothing too crazy. And it was probably like 400 and some people maybe. And right at the end, I got a standing ovation and I was actually quite impressed because I was like, I didn't think I did that well. And it's not like I'm an amazing speaker. You can hear all my likes and ums and, but I'm going to keep it raw because I'm a real dude. And you know what? I'm just here to relate to people. I, I, I'm not a professional, you know? And especially because this is my first episode, definitely an amateur. So why not keep it amateur for right now? I got good sound quality, though. Um, But my brother said afterwards he thought the standing ovation came from because one of the last things that I said, because there was a lot of money raised that night, it's really amazing to see people come together and show their love and support for veterans 
because I remember one, one thing that I was told and I, it was in basic training. And I remember our drill sergeant was saying, man, you're going to get out and no one's going to care. And to an extent, he's right. People forget. Like, people move on with their life. You're home. You know, people move on with lives. And it's not that they, they don't necessarily care, but they don't stop to think. Hey, is he struggling? Hey, is she struggling? We all get busy. And it's not, that's not to put other people down. But it's what happens. And, I, and so I said it, it, it was good to see such a large amount of people come together to do something um, in, in memory of veterans. And uh, my brother thought that's why I got the standing ovation, but I, I really wanted to mention that point because that's part of the struggle is you have like, and I don't want to say you're on a pedestal or anything, but you feel good about what you're doing. You're, you've got a sense of pride, like, hey, I'm doing something good here. I'm doing something that most people want. And then you get out and move on to a regular job, and you got nothing. I was out on the rigs drilling for oil. Cool. You got gas for your cars. <laughs> you know, like, that, that ain't over there uh, finding terrorists. That's not the same thing. So, it... it you, you start to lose that pride and you have nothing to be proud of. I was proud of the work I did when I was doing nonprofit work, but, um, I think I was deep enough into my hole with drinking and everything like that, that I just, it wasn't enough to pull me out. And then just things kind of ended badly with that, that, uh, particular organization. I, I actually resigned, um, uh, just ideals didn't line up, but I, it definitely helped and I made some good friends and not all of them lived here or live here. Um, but we stay in contact and we try to, you know, plan hunting trips of our own and things like that. And so, um, and we just try to all around, just check in on each other, make sure, make sure one, one another's doing okay. And, and, you know, if you know someone, who served or you did serve and haven't talked to a certain buddy in a while, pick someone after you listen to this episode, reach out to them, shoot them a text and just see how they're doing or call them. Um, cause that, that shit goes a long way. I know that I like, sometimes it does suck because you know, a lot, I I'll hold myself up in my house Cause I just, I don't want to be around people, but it feels good when people do check in on me and you know, sometimes people don't check up on me and I'm just like, okay, nobody cares. And I, and it just feeds into that whole negativity thing where everything just becomes negative. It's not even necessarily true, but that's what you're telling yourself. You're sitting there getting inside your own head, which I'm extremely notorious for, um, but because of that negativity, it's important you surround yourself with positivity. I've talked about it before. Like it's amazing how much your mood changes when you surround yourself with people that will make you better. People that they themselves are 
pushing in life to achieve the best at whatever they want to be good at and they're, they're trying to be the best at it, if they're pushing that, those are the type of people you want to be around. Those are the type of people that'll help you pull out of this funk because you're like, hey, if this motherfucker can do it, I can do it too. It's not hard. Well, it is hard. It's easier said than done. But it's doable. And there is nothing in this world that is worth committing, committing suicide for. You have a lot to live for, period. You know, and you can say uh, you're alone all you want, but you really aren't. And that's why I'm encouraging people to reach out and see how someone's doing. Don't necessarily ask them personal questions. You know, you don't got to get all personal. Kind of like I just said, I don't want to talk about putting a gun to my head because I don't. And I'm not going to talk to you about it, uh, you know, unless I feel it's necessary. But if you call, you know, come out and reach to me and be like, hey, let's talk about you putting a gun to your head. Nope, not doing it. If I, when I feel comfortable, I'll talk about it. But I'm saying you don't necessarily have to ask personal questions. You know, just reach out to the person. Let them know that you care. Because even just, even just saying, hey, what's up, man? Shows, shows your, your, it shows them that they're on your mind and that you care enough to reach out. And I've been bad about it over the years with even just like reaching out to my own buddies and I'm, I'm trying to do much better at it. Um, especially with this, just because I don't want, I don't want anything to happen to my boys. And I want, you know, and it's hard because like we, we all, I mentioned social media, we all stay caught up with what people are doing because of what they're displaying on social media. And it just looks like, Hey, you know, vacation and things are happy. And, you know, it's easy to put on a front in a picture. It's easy to be vain in a picture. You know, and that's, that's what social media is all about. And I'm, I had a buddy of mine tell me here in town that like he likes what I'm doing with social media because I'm putting my problems out there and it's not necessarily for sympathy or to be like, Oh, I'm this horrible person and yada, yada, yada. But it's as a learning experience and I'm making myself vulnerable in order to grow. I'm sharing personal stuff that I haven't ever shared with people ever and I'm putting it on a public platform as the first time for sharing and I, I know I've, I've, I've thought this through and it's amazing when you, you, you start to sober up and you're not drinking every day the, the amount of clarity your mind has and now I'm not saying I'm perfect because I can still throw back some, some booze but I try not to I'm not perfect though um I forgot where I was going with that, but I've, I've, I've thought it through and I know I have to make myself uncomfortable in order to change for the better. And I have to stay disciplined at making myself feel uncomfortable. And that's exactly why I'm doing this. And I want other people to try to make themselves uncomfortable. Do something you want. Step outside of your comfort zone. And you know, a lot of people, it's becoming a big thing. Um, you see influencers talk about it all the time, but I honestly love it. And I don't even think twice about it now, but I started taking cold showers. I've been taking cold showers for, um, I don't know, three, four months now. It's the only shower I take now. It has been summertime. (laughs) I'm going to stick to it, but it may be a little bit more miserable when Wyoming turns winter wonderland and we're seeing negative temps. 
might be completely different, but that that's that's what I'm here for, though. Is and it's not just to help others, but I, I think this is going to help me too, because now now I'm learning to not be ashamed of who I am, and you know I need to forgive myself for the things I've done to others, but I. I I can't be ashamed of that because I won't be able to move on. I need to learn to love myself. I need to learn to stay focused on the present and stop focusing on the past and the future and focus on the now because this is the difference that I can make right here, right now. Sure, there might be, you know, some lasting effects that might be affected in the future, but I can't change the past. Nothing I do now will change anything in the past. It's done. It's happened. And that's why, you know, a lot of this, like, <laughs> I've become kind of this peaceful guy uh, to an extent about, you know, just showing people love. There's so much hate in the world right now. And I, I'm kind of sick of it because you, so many people out there struggle and nobody stops to think about it. And you don't have to be a veteran or anything like that. You don't have to have gone to war. Nothing. People face trauma. You know, there's abuse victims, domestic violence, rape, child molestation. All sorts of people face trauma. And, you know, everyone's different on how they handle trauma. Something might be more traumatic to one person than it is another. That doesn't make them less of a person. It makes them unique in their own right. And people are just fucking assholes nowadays. And it pisses me off. That, you know, especially there's so much shit on the internet and people talking shit. And you've got the trolls now. Sometimes I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I've got a dark sense of humor. I'm a veteran. I, I like a little, you know, rib busting, but make sure you're being cool about it. Don't be a fucking prick. And there's just, there's so much of that out there where people are just deliberately mean. And so that's why I, 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 I'm hoping that I can get people going to my, my Facebook group, um, shadow warriors so there can kind of be a community that surrounds itself with that we're encouraging we're building each other up and it's all about just positivity because that's what people need in order to get out of you know this hole that we will find ourselves in and so it just there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done and this is just getting started, but, you know, with the, you know, if I, if I gain some fans, you know, I hope my fans help me out. Give me some pointers. <laughs> tell me, if I, if I say dickheaded things, tell me to quit being a dickhead. No, don't say that. Like, I don't want to, yeah, I think Facebook might get you for, you know, bullying or something like that. But for real, constructive criticism. I'm not ashamed of it. That's how people grow too. And I know I'm not perfect, and I know I'm an amateur here. So if you want to see something different or have a suggestion on, you know, something I could do for a show, I want to hear from people. And I, I want people to be proactive with talking amongst each other, and hopefully hopefully we can build something something nice. I know there's other groups out there on Facebook, but, you know, I don't know if those particular groups have their own podcast. And my group's going to. So, um, but with that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have probably some t-shirts and stuff made up. Uh, I definitely, um, been working with my graphic designer with, uh, getting some custom journals because that is an extremely, uh, important tool 
when it comes to, you know, battling your depression, um, writing your journal. And I just, I want to be able to provide, be an outlet, um, especially with like my guests, you know, doing yoga or uh, psychedelic therapy or any of these alternative treatment methods, rather than just getting pumped up full of synthetics from the VA, try some of these other, you know, alternative methods um, that are showing real results, you know. Um, so I plan to have people on to be able to talk about that uh, or, you know, other people from nonprofit who are, you know, I, I definitely know like some of the guys have said that I changed their life on the hunt experience that I provided. And for me, that, that was the most important key. It wasn't about the amount that it cost. It was about the, the experience. And I wanted to provide a family experience for these guys. And, you know, guys told me I changed their life. And, you know, I think that's why we've stayed friends too. And that, that makes me feel good. And I, and that's what, that's what we're trying to do here. Um, so, I want to be able to be a main hub or main outlet for people to come and, you know, go to the website. One of, one of my boys, uh, that was at second bat with me is actually building my website. Um, and hopefully we can get it up and running soon. And, um, that way, you know, people can go on the site and I, I want to try to provide links and things like that. And just an all around hub, uh, for people to browse and see the different ways that they can get help. Um, starting the journey is the hardest. And maybe just talking to a friend or talking to me. Shoot me an email. Shoot me a DM. I don't care. I've had strangers have been reaching out to me and talking to me and liking what I'm doing. And, um, but, you know, if you've, if you're struggling, reach out. I'll be your friend. So that with that about wraps things up for me and it's getting dark and I'm already recording. And so (laughs) I didn't turn the lights on and now I'm running out of light. So, um, we're going to call her a wrap and hopefully I can get this episode out sooner than later. I've already got another one recorded and so we're going to start trying to drop episodes once a week. My, my schedule can get kind of hectic, but I'm, I would love to make this full time and I would love to dedicate my life to, you know, helping others, you know, not walk that dark path. Too, too many of us have already taken our lives and it just breaks my heart leaving kids behind and wives and moms and dads it just it ain't worth it folks and so hopefully I can get to a spot where I can fully dedicate myself to this but anyways that's all I got for now until next time